0: We have a special guest today, Kristen McKay. Now, Kristen is an international speaker, professional negotiator, which is super cool, uh, a business negotiation coach and founder of Then Negotiation, a full-service negotiation strategy agency and coaching organization intended uh, intent on leveling the playing field in business negotiations by elevating the skills. And confidence levels of small to mid sized business owners and executives. She's also the author of the book, Why Not Ask, a conversation about getting more, right? And that's what we talk about a lot getting more. And host of the Neg- negotiation podcast and the Vin Zone. I love that, the Vin Zone. And so, <laughs> Kristen has an exceptional story that I really want her to share with you of her journey of how she became a like a, no negotiations agent right when I think of that I think of pretty woman remember how oh yeah uh, yeah. Richard Gere used to negotiate business contracts and business deals yeah uh, but never saw a female negotiator before so this is gonna be pretty interesting <laughs> so welcome to the show Christy <laughs> it's so good to meet you Christy thank you so much for having me it's a real honor You are welcome. So share the story. You have a journey that's that's not only interesting, but very unique um, to becoming this woman, this amazing woman and the success that you have gained, you know, throughout Mm. your life. But it wasn't always that easy, right? No, I was
1: born and raised in north central Montana on a ranch. So I grew up like ringing the dinner bell for the cowboys to come out from the bunkhouse to have dinner that my mom had spent all day cooking. And so I grew up in this really kind of rugged environment and I had a pretty successful high school career. I was an honor student. I competed in public speaking and was really good at it. I was a foreign exchange student. I was a beauty queen. I had kind of checked all the boxes when I was in high school. Um, Graduated and life kind of fell apart. Um, I honestly, I, I, I was drinking too much. I was partying too hard. And in the course of that, I ended up getting pregnant. And I lost my job right about the same time Ended up getting evicted from my, my trailer that I was living in and started um, living in the back of my car and became part of what's called in the United States, the hidden homeless. So I didn't have an address. And sometimes I slept in my car, but most of the time I couch surfed and um, stayed with friends and when I, when I could, Um, but I wasn't eating well. And um, what I decided to do is I decided, I was clearly incapable of making good decisions for myself. So I abdicated to a man who walked into my life when I was about four months pregnant, and he gladly took on the responsibility of making all my decisions for me. I had two more kids. I had three, three kids at the age of 22. And when I decided I didn't want uh, that, I was tired, that I, I was no longer thinking I needed to abdicate my own personal decision making authority. He did not want to give that up very easily. And so, um, so he was super controlling, abusive, and uh, didn't believe women should be educated. Wow. And uh, I was talking to, talking to a friend of mine, and I said, I really want to go to college. And she asked me, what's the worst thing that will happen if you go? And I said, I don't know. And she said, will he kill you? And I said, no, he won't go that far. And she said, well, then how important is it? So I went to a community college in Western Massachusetts. I studied from three in the morning to six in the morning, and I earned a full scholarship to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in upstate New York. I realized it was gonna be easier to do it on my own. And so I became a single mom with three kids, ages three, four, and five, and became um, the first woman to graduate as both a full-time student and a single mom from one of the leading engineering schools in the United States. I met, um, well done, I met an amazing well guy.
0: Well done. Well done. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it was, and you're yeah. the guy. Graduated, the guy with, with, graduated
1: with honors. Met yeah. an amazing guy. Got married again. We've We will celebrate 29 years in about a month and a half. And I started working in international mergers and acquisitions, doing negotiation. I started my negotiation career in Southeast Asia. My first country that I worked in was Indonesia. And uh, that was a very long way from, uh, you know, the the, the pregnant teenager, uh, 19-year-old living in the, my car and and or ringing dinner bells, you know, from for the cowboy.
0: I want to take a quick break to thank all our listeners, contributors, and give a shout out to Mint Wave Radio for promoting our show in Scotland, the UK, and around the globe. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, or if you are an entrepreneur looking to enhance your communication and connection skills as a leader, contact me at com forward slash contact.
1: And so it launched me into a completely different world. And I ultimately earned my MBA from Harvard University and um, raised three amazing children who are grown adults now and have been doing negotiation now for almost 30 years. And you know I, I love it. I've negotiated with almost half the Fortune 500 in various capacities, and I've negotiated In 55 countries and you know i love i love the people side of Mm -hmm. negotiation and over the course of my career you know i've seen so many people be so afraid of negotiation which is kind of the garbage that's in our head because the reality is is that negotiation is a conversation about a relationship And so many people think they want to win in negotiation, but you can't win a relationship, but you can get more value out of it. So how do you do that? And that's what I love helping people discover.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your your story. Like I said, your story is so amazing. And I just want to commend you for just not giving up, not giving up and stopping. There are so many women who have gone through very similar situations as you have and have hit bottom and hit bottom. And you and you did that, right? You had nowhere to turn and you had children, right? Living in, out of your car, you know, couch hopping, you had nothing, no education, nothing, but you didn't give up. And a lot of people need, a women need, you know, there's that one friend, right? That one friend to kind of let them know that they are someone, they are someone mm-hmm. who to do it. And I know that was definitely true for me, And I also gave you the spark to, to believe in yourself. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of women need to uh, just pay attention to. Do you believe in yourself? And, Mm. you know, sometimes people on the outside see things that you don't see, understand that, but you really have to bring up and stir up the desire that, Hey, I am worth more. I am working Mm. for life. If I wake up, in the morning, then I have another chance to make a difference. you made a difference in your life. I, I love that your, your children are successful as well. You have a career that you absolutely love, but not only that, but you have a career that's very unique, very mm-hmm. unique. And I have a negotiation certificate and I love negotiations, right? It's pretty much just when I think of it, it's like a win-win for both of us. How can we mm-hmm. establish this relationship? So it's a win-win for both of us. Right. Yep. Yeah, and, exactly.
1: Uh, I mean, it, it's really about a relationship. It's it's about enrolling somebody in a relationship. Mm. So it's not about closing a deal or closing a transaction or winning a transaction. It's about how do I enroll somebody in a relationship that's going to, you know, people talk all the time. I want a customer for a lifetime, right? But yet they think about that that customer as what have they done for me today? Right. They're not thinking about what they could be doing in three years, five years, 10 years. And it's really about creating that opportunity to grow together in your relationship. I always talk about lawyers laugh at me. So if you have lawyers listening, they're going to crack up when I say this. But negotiation is a hopeful act, even when you're unwinding a relationship. It's a hopeful act. You're, you're having a conversation with somebody about an issue that's happened in pa- the past that you're trying to resolve today because you hope that it will make the future better. So it is a hopeful act based on information from the past divined in the moment.
0: Right. And an understanding, right? Understanding of the two yeah. sides that are working toward um, finding a solution. Right. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. But as Chris, you do negotiations for major corporations. And what are you negotiating? So, right now, what we do is we
1: actually help um, small, mid sized companies when they're negotiating with large enterprise companies. So, what large enterprise companies do is they have a lot of attorneys. They have a lot of people who specialize in risk mitigation. They have procurement departments um, and, you know, they have a large group of people that are all about how do I not do this deal, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas small and mid-sized companies, especially companies that are run by a founder, right? They usually are wearing many hats. So the CEO is wearing many hats. The CEO is probably doing the negotiation. You'll never, not likely meet the CEO, except in rare situations in most negotiations, the decision-makers not negotiating, right? And in a big company, they've got resources, they can do research, They, they study, they have processes, they have specialists for everything. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, is that somebody who is a CEO, who's not rooted in the day-to-day all the time, or who is very emotionally invested in the outcome of the conversation, then is making decisions. And they're making decisions based on the today. And what happens is we get in our heads and we're like, oh my gosh, if I ask the customer for that much money, they're going to walk away. Oh my God, I can't do this. Or, oh my God, it's it's Verizon, it's Bank of America, it's you know, a hospital, it's take whoever is kind of the big gorilla or the whale that you know you're trying to 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 land, so to speak, right? And we and we forget that there and we also get very monetarily focused. So we forget that there are a lot of other things that go into building and developing the relationship that are that that are embedded in a contract that could impact your operations or that have to do with building the relationship over time.
0: Oh, got it. Now you talked about confidence. Okay. How does someone go from someone who had absolutely no confidence at all to someone who is willing and dealing with these major, major multi-billion dollar, right? Multi-billion dollar corporations and being able to do that in a way that you're standing firm, you're owning your power, and you are like rubbing elbows with the head honchos of all these major corporations. Not many people can do that.
1: Well, my, my largest deal is $2.5 billion.
0: Hi, this is Chrissy Love of BCB Love, and I'd like to invite you to tune in to my show that's being aired on winwinwomen.tv. Every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 7 p.m. UK time to get public speaking tactics that can be used to increase your communication skills in a way that will uplevel your career and your life.
1: So that's the size of the, the, the biggest deal I've worked on. Right. Now I say that, but it's important to know that nobody works on a deal that size by themselves. Mm-hmm. There's always a team of people involved in those deals, right? You've got attorneys, you've got advisors who have okay. you know finance who have a head for finance, you have people who who have a head for HR. I mean, you've got you, you just have a it's a team of people who get to those outcomes. And that's actually one of the things that I find. And still find because let's be honest. I mean, I can, you know, somebody can appear super confident and still have a crisis of confidence on a specific day. Right. And the way that I address that is I find and surround myself with people who believe in me, even at the times when I don't believe in myself.
0: Wow. And that's, a, that's, that's been, yes. that's.
1: It's huge. is to me. It's the single most important element that factor in my success is those having those people around me who believe in me. Because when I'm not, when I don't, you know, I I'm, I'm in the middle of something right now. So i um, going through some things and so I've been struggling with my own confidence level a little bit and I just got off the phone with somebody who is a friend and a mentor and who who runs a really successful organization and and you know he he, he boosted me up Today. And I needed that. And I had, you know, last week I had somebody boosted me up. And when we all we we go through these moments and we talk about confidence. And so many times people are like, I've got to be confident all the time. Well, no, you know, we can't. So one of my one of my um I I do a lot of qigong breathing exercises, um, which is really powerful um for me. And my qigong breathing instructor says, in order to be centered. You have to know, you have to be off center first. You cannot know what your center is until you actually know what it feels like to be off center. And so life is really this constant,
0: you're 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 a
1: human being, you're human, human, right? And so it's like this constant, okay, this is what it felt like when I was centered for that moment. Oh, dang it. I'm off center. Now I got to get back to that. How do I get back to that? So it's really, and surrounding yourself with, with people who care that you're, a, you are there. That's really what makes a difference.
0: Right. And, and so many women have to understand that. Now, when we When we show up, let's say on stage or in front of a camera, we're showing up at our best at that moment. You don't know what happened about 10 minutes ago, right? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, of course, you're not going to let that show, but we're all human. Things happen. There's times when I have to call on my support team probably once or twice a week to help boost me up, or I'm helping to boost someone else, you know, up. As far as their confidence levels go, the morale go, or kind of push them to really achieve some things that they're working on. But it's it's about the community. Okay, it's about your environment, it's about the people that you surround mm-hmm. yourself with. And there's some truth to that that says, remember that quote that says that you're only successful with <clears throat> your, your five closest friends. That, yes. That is so true. And it is. when I when I heard that, I made sure that I, I surround as much as possible, of course people who uh, lift me up, people who are doing more than I am, people who are supporting me, people who are, you know, in my industry and cheering me along and vice versa, right? Vice versa, because the more I help someone else, the better I feel. And so you wrote a book about why not ask, right? Is that part of the negotiations? Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. Like a why mixture not,
0: of what we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, why not ask a conversation about getting more? because you know, there are three out elements to any successful negotiation. First, you have to assess assess. you have to assess yourself. you have to I always say you have to assess you, them, and it. You have to understand you, you have to develop a, a, an idea a theory a hypothesis a guess about what's important to your counterpart and how they're going to get it and you have to assess it which is the situation the environment in which you're negotiating and then you have to ask and asking is the hard part right mm-hmm. because I, and i often say that the hardest part of any negotiation happens right between our ears with men mm-hmm. now they didn't look at why that's the case But as women, we're constantly being told, I heard somebody recently say that boys are rewarded for doing things and girls are rewarded for being, being nice, being pretty, being generous, being kind, Mm. but we're often not rewarded for having done things, having accomplished things. And so we get as adults, we, as, especially as adult women, we really have this internal dialogue not just around what we're what we're worth but really around how will we be perceived by the people that we're asking for something a friend of mine is a venture capitalist and he one of his frustrations he works with a lot of women especially women of color who and he he gets frustrated because as a man of color he he says you know so many times Women come in and they bring these amazing business plans and they ask for half the money that they're going to need to make it successful. And I won't give them anything because I know they're going to fail, right? Because they're not asking, they're asking maybe sort of for what they need right now, but they're not thinking about what they're going to need and want. So there's a difference between needs and wants. And we, as women are conditioned to, to get by, to, to ask for our needs. And, you know, if we ask for what we want, you know, I don't know, hell's, hell hath no fury, right? It's like, we're going to get in trouble for that and we're going to embarrass ourselves and we're going to, and there's just all this mental baggage that we have around asking. And even as a professional negotiator, there is a huge difference for me in terms of what I will ask for on behalf of a client Mm
0: -hmm. versus
1: what I'll ask for on behalf of myself. And that's a very common, it's very common for women to be stronger at negotiating on behalf of others than we often are negotiating on behalf of ourselves. And I've gotten, I've gotten massively better at it over time, but it's still something that I'm working on, right. As a negotiator, that's what I do right? Um,
0: And it's important, but it all starts. Yeah, it's good to Mm -hmm. recognize that because you said that I totally can see how in my life that's so true, right? As a woman and definitely as a woman of color that they struggle that I've had to overcome and I'm still struggling with exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. I can, you know, Sell two two million dollars for the products for someone else easy, but when it comes to me and I have to sell and ask for the deal, it it was a challenge. It was a, it yeah. was a challenge. It was it was back and forth. I'm like, why why is this a you know I sell millions of dollars for people for years, why couldn't I do that for myself?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, and part of it's that we tend to. Because because of the way that our brains are designed mm-hmm. relative to the way that men's brains are designed physiologically, men are just much better typically at compartmentalizing. Nothing like this is universal, so I'm just going to say that now. But women, um, physiologically, we use more of our brain, and that creates we don't we don't typically think in compartmentalization, right? But we live in a world that tries to compartmentalize everything that and actually and that's like a superpower for women when it comes to to negotiating, because because we can see things and we connect things, right? We actually are really good at negotiating. But but a lot of women are afraid that they're terrible at it and i actually just a few months ago had a guy on that i was negotiating with sit on zoom and he made a sexual comment to me first and then followed it with a i don't know why anyone would hire a woman to negotiate
0: right Alrighty. this we was like ready this is like four months ago and we response well, to to that so I'm
1: really big on talking about how the role of emotion and negotiation, Mm -hmm. because as soon as we want something from somebody else, our emotion is fully engaged. And so we, emotions are involuntary. You cannot control them. They just are, but you can control how you react to them. So the first step is noticing that you're feeling them, right? So I noticed when he said that, that I was feeling some things. And I also noticed that I know that when I feel those that way, I often behave in a certain way. And I determined very quickly that if I behaved in that way, it was probably not gonna yield an outcome that I wanted. So already I'm now out of emotion and I'm thinking, I'm analyzing and evaluating. So I asked, I said to him, is it okay if I ask you a question? And he said, sure, of course, why not? I said, what reaction were you hoping to achieve by making those comments? Ooh, Burn. And he's like, what, what do you mean? And I said, well, those were two very inflammatory statements. What, what were you hoping that I would do?
0: Mm -hmm. Just
1: be transparent with me. Let me know what you were hoping I would do. And then I'll decide how I'm going to react. Right. Or, or you can tell me that it was a complete misunderstanding and we can move on. right so i gave him an out but he also knew he was being pretty belligerent throughout most of the conversation but he also knew that i i wasn't going to put up with that behavior. and so he's like oh i think it's just a misunderstanding and i said oh i'm so glad to hear that. that's awesome. then let's just keep moving on.
0: right, right? absolutely yes. right So
1: it, it was important to be, it's important to, and especially as women, we think that we can't be emotional when we're asking people for things Mm -hmm. and that, you know, people say we hear people say all the time, it's just business. It's not personal. I disagree with that. Business is absolutely personal and it's, it's fair to be emotional. It's fair to talk about emotions. I'll be in a meeting and different people will react different to, to it but I'll be in a meeting and I'll say, you know, I'm not feeling very whatever. I'm not feeling very good about what you just said or what you just said um, was hurtful or, you know, I'll name it and label it. Because if I don't do that and I don't give them the opportunity to address it, then it's likely going to fester in me and it's going to, Impact my ability to trust that person, and if I don't trust that person, my ability to have an effective and successful negotiated relationship with them is non-existent. Right. And so, I really i I think women are really, and and studies prove that mm-hmm. women are actually exceptional negotiators um, because we can think about. Because we don't necessarily compartmentalize, we're really good at finding interesting solutions to complex issues because we're thinking about things all over the place. right. And that's right. a good thing. That's a good thing
0: it it is. And I like how you said, you know this you know handle it, right? Handle the situation, be okay. With handling mm-hmm. the situation so you can move forward. Do not leave a conversation um, hurt or emotional and allowing it to eat you up and affect mm-hmm. your ability because when men look at us and they see that we're all emotional and uptight, that goes against us as well. But if we're in a in and if we have a, a way to actually handle situations in a very professional manner and continue to move on and do our job to the best of our abilities, then they perceive us differently. So mm-hmm. Just be, be mindful of that. I know you talk a lot about that probably in your book. Can you share, mm-hmm. Christine, maybe three tips that you can give our um, audience on how they can, you know, just be better negotiators. And you've given quite a bit, but how can women really become better negotiators? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the first thing is to, is really to assess, spend time assessing and analyzing and understanding the situation you're negotiating, who you, who you are, what you really want. People think they know what they want, but they tend to be very general. You need to be specific because nobody can take action on something that's general. So you have to, in order for somebody to take action, they have to, it has to be a specific request. And so 70 to 80% of your time should be preparing for a negotiation, studying and analyzing what it is that you want and need, and studying and analyzing your counterpart, and then having an opinion on what external influences are impacting a potential for getting the deal done. And then you have to ask, and how you ask matters. So understanding negotiation styles and your style. Understand, I talk a little bit about that in the book. Um, talking, you know, how you invite people to be part of a conversation matters. Listening skills matter. Um, And then you have to take action, right? And how you do that. Um, In the book, we talk about the importance of understanding contracts. So many of us see a contract and we either run away or we hand it off to an attorney. You
0: just check that box. Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. And so we there's there's a very simplistic way of understanding what's in an mm-hmm. agreement, because a lot of what's in contracts is, is going to affect your business directly. And it's not things that your attorney is likely to understand because they don't understand business operations. That's not what they're there to do, right? Mm-hmm. So they're there to keep you out of court and keep you out of a George, orange jumpsuit. That's their two biggest rules. But a lot of what's in your contracts is about how you deliver a product, how you hire people, how you train them, how you let them go, how you provide customer service. It's It goes way beyond how you just, just a price. It's much more involved than that. And so it's really understand important. Assess, ask, and act. Those are the three big things that you have to be able to do. Um, And within those, there are a bunch of different activities, but you spend most of your time assessing, getting prepared, ask, know how to ask your counterpart Mm -hmm. and then know what right action to be taking including how to contract it.
0: Super great, great, great information, Christine. Awesome. Now you have the book out. You also do coaching on negotiation. Where can our audience find you? So you can find us at
1: Venn, V-E-N-N, negotiation.com. And you can find us on any of the social media platforms. You can also find me as Christine McKay on uh, on all of those platforms as well.
0: Super. Well, thank you so much, Christine, for being on the show and giving us some valuable, valuable information and, and also just sharing your journey, sharing thank your you journey so to give women hope. And, uh, yeah, just hope that they can do it. They can be someone right. doesn't matter where you are in life that you can overcome whatever situation that may be and become your absolute best and do, and, and create a life that's fulfilled and that you love. It takes right? just
1: as much effort to dream small as it does to dream big.
0: Absolutely. Which what one I mean. are you going to do? Ooh, which one are you going to do? Absolutely. Thanks again, Christine.
1: Thank you so much, Christy.